Welcome to the Alkaline Unplugged podcast. I'm Erin Parazuski, a functional fitness expert and holistic health coach. I am the founder and CEO of Alkaline, a health and wellness company that operates boutique fitness franchises across the U.S. I live in Menlo Park, California with my husband and two young daughters. I am joined by my podcast partner, Kathy Purnell, a master instructor at Alkaline and a former special education teacher. She has three grown daughters and lives in Los Altos with her husband, Jeff. Together, we bring you Alkaline Unplugged, a collection of conversations on a whole host of topics, from experts in the health and wellness field to the real, raw, and human stories of people like you and me. We look forward to bringing you content that will nourish your mind, body, and soul. We thank you for tuning in and look forward to your comments and feedback. If you like what you hear, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. As a disclaimer, neither Kathy nor I are licensed medical professionals. The materials and content in this podcast are intended to be general information and are not to be considered a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hi there. Welcome to Alkaline Unplugged, Episode 9. Here with Kathy. Hey, Erin. Kicking off summer. Oh, man. Yeah, midway through... The first month of summer. I guess we just celebrated summer. I was like, whoa, let's not. Let's no, not I rush it. Yes, I guess officially summer started on June. Yesterday? Gosh, maybe it was yesterday. Yesterday's summer solstice? The 21st, right? Isn't it the 20th? Oh, that's today, people. Anyway, summer brings up a lot of um, interesting feelings for people. And I think a lot of our audience are moms. And dads, this probably applies to men too. But I think what happens during summer when kids are out of school and we become even more tied to being that Uber driver, social director, all of those things, we tend to put ourselves on the back burner. And so self-care becomes um, something that we feel very selfish taking. And I hear a lot of clients say, gosh, this summer I'm going to, it's going to be harder for me to get to the studio. And my question is always, well, why is that? Well, because I I feel guilty, you know, Mm -hmm. leaving my kids or I've got to find something for them to do. And I guess the point of our podcast today is really talking about the importance of self-care. We're here today with Rosemary Mayer Hintz. And she is ha, holds a bachelor's degree in economics and psychology from Stanford University and a master's in clinical psychology from Notre Dame de Demure University. She has been in practice since 2004 and has extensive training in treating depression, anxiety, and trauma. She specializes in the following areas, fertility and pregnancy, pregnancy loss, miscarriage, stillbirth, birth trauma, postpartum depression, intimate partner abuse, and childhood trauma. She's here today to talk about the the value of self-care. Sounds like you've got some expertise and some really challenging areas that I think uh, many women experience. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that you're here today. Well, yeah. welcome. welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. So at Alkaline, we talk about the importance of balance and we talk about the importance of self-care. And I often will end class during the cool down portion by reminding folks that self-care is not selfish and that um, we can't give from an empty well. Mm -hmm. Really, if we are always on output mode and we never do 
things to recharge ourselves or self-soothe ourselves, yeah. that doesn't benefit anyone. So I'd love to hear your take kind of on, on self-care in general. Yeah. Well, I love what you, what you said. And I don't think I realize that the impact of what we're taught in terms of self-care. So you said, you know, we're sort of taught, especially as women, I think that self-care is sort of selfish. It's not self-care, it's selfish, or that it shouldn't be prioritized, that our work, our children, our partners, um, our dogs and our cats should come first, right? Yes. And that exercise or um, other forms of self-care should should come after all those things. Um, and that is, that's something that we're taught. We're either role modeled, um, at a young age, or it's something that we, a belief that we kind of develop over time. So what I like to talk to my clients about, and my clients come to me in very high levels of stress, right? So Mm self-care is not actually an option anymore. It's mandatory. But in terms of prevention, um, I teach them that self-care is what allows us, self-care and self-soothing, and I'll talk about the difference, it's what allows us to remain healthy and um, it prevents damage to our bodies and and our relationships and our emotional health. So... um, where do you, do you want me to talk a little bit? Well, I think I think you bring up a good point in terms of stress and and what that does to our physical body. Not not just our mental health, but also just physically how that stress can manifest. So maybe speak a little bit about Yeah, great. So there's a ton of research now. We in the last 20 years, um, scientists have done a lot of research on what happens to our body when we're when we experience stress. So it can be a minor stress. I, I mentioned, you know, getting honked at or, or driving in traffic to a larger stress. Um, but what happens is our adrenaline, adrenaline levels and our cortisol levels spike, and when those two things spike, um, our immune system is suppressed our ability to regulate our mood is suppressed and we have an increased sense of fear. Also, our heart rate, which we all experience when we, ex- when we experience stress, is our heart rate actually goes up um, and our, bro- our blood pressure goes up. So those are all things that happen at a, a, a cellular level. Yes. Yeah. And so knowing that, what are some of the things that that we can do in order to sort of help bring those levels down to manage that stress because stress is a natural part of life. We have, you know, we experience it. Like you said, driving in the car, you can get honked at or somebody cuts you off and yeah, you notice that instant feeling where the heart starts to race for some people that turns into rage for some yeah. people, it turns into fear, whatever it might be, but that ha- that elicits a physical Yep. Fight or flight or yes. freeze. Yeah. Yes. Response. So what are some of the things that we can do in order to, I know that at Alkaline, we, we look to exercise as being a huge part of stress management, but in the moment. Yeah. So um, in the moment, I, I like to talk about the concept of sort of self-soothing and 
self-soothing and we can talk a little bit about that but also the thing that comes to mind it's very trendy now is mindfulness right yes. and mindfulness is this concept of bringing yourself to the moment and when we can bring ourselves to the moment we're not anxious about the future or regretful or sad about the past so in the moment let's say you're in in traffic in the car um, you can't change the traffic. You can't change that the person's honked at you, but you can change something in the car. Can you slow down your breathing? Can you turn on your favorite music? Can you go, my my thing that I love to listen to now is Sirius um, XM, the Netflix comedy channel. So immediately I'll turn on the stand-up comedy and I start laughing and I'm no longer obsessed about the traffic. Might I also recommend Radio Andy? (laughs) If you are a Bravo fan, for all those people out there, and Andy Cohen, if you're listening, I'm one of your biggest fans, and I would love to have you as a guest on our podcast as well. So Very good. Good plug. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, I would ask you, when you turn on Radio Andy, what comes up? Oh my gosh, I laugh. He, he, he just brings me out of the moment. I, I, there are days where I know that on my way to the studio, when I'm going to teach, I want to crank up the music to, you know, help my energy. But if I'm just running errands or what Mm -hmm. have you, I love to listen to him. Actually, I learned a really fun fact on his show today, and this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, except it's nutrition based. But do you know where the state that that produces the most chickpeas in the U.S. No. Um, Montana. Really? Isn't wow. that surprising? That's really, I'm trying to think of why. Now, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember what I ate for I'm lunch yesterday. I'm trying to think about why I would care. No. Yeah. <laughs> because it's protein. Okay, it's good protein, healthy protein. Nutrition. Yeah. But I thought that is a fact that I'm Climate-friendly protein, maybe. Yes. Yeah. So shifting my mindset to yeah. learning yes. something new, perhaps, is a good way to downregulate for myself. Well, I think that's just true of podcasts. Another podcast plug. That's why you should listen to podcasts, particularly ours, in the car or wherever you go. It's because it does keep you engaged in something and not you know dwelling yeah or making up a story about what it could have should have you know you just don't have time which is i i think another benefit of alkaline we try to keep your mind people will say like the class is challenging and hard but it's also really hard to pay attention because we force you to pay attention it's our number one core value but it's to to keep you present in your own body so you're having that experience you're learning something about yourself, you're making that mind-body connection that will hopefully help you in the future, not that you need to worry about it at that moment, but you don't have time to run through the, you know, the to-do list or And you actually, one thing I love about Alkaline, I don't do a ton of exercise outside of it. And so, so this is where I go. Um, And there's something about I'm not shaming my body in the moment when I'm taking an alkaline class. And I think I think women and men actually spend a lot of time identifying the parts of their body they don't like. Indeed. And when we when we entertain those thoughts and obsess about those thoughts, what happens? We activate those stress hormones. So when I'm in alkaline, I'm actually feeling my bicep muscles and I'm like, oh, wow, there they are. I have them. Or now I can hold that that plank longer. And it's something that activates a positive self-belief. And so that's self-soothing and it's preventative, right? If we can feel strong a day later after class, it activates those positive beliefs about ourselves. And that's why we spend so much time talking about um, the value of the exercise being in that it's building strength and it's functionally sound so that you can do other things in your life. And it's not 
we never focus on, look, you're building a six pack abs, you know, or it's going to make you thinner, whatever. We don't focus on that. Or your beach body. You never say things like your beach body, which is so intentional. And I love it. It's so good. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so just, just to go, I don't want to miss the self soothing and I have put a little thought into some of these things, but, um, if you're finding yourself stressed out and it's hard to kind of come down and relax, I'll often, um, suggest to my clients that they distract. So distract with something positive. So, um, identify friends and family that instantly help you come out of the negative and and bring into the positive. Give a friend a, a call on your on your way into work. Um, change your activity. So if you're driving and you have a little bit of time, um, go and pick up your favorite drink at Starbucks, right? And yeah. and distract yourself with something positive. Also, um, create distance from a stressor. So if something is stressing you out, let's say your relationship with your mom is stressing you out. Don't pick up the phone when she calls. Yeah, create, draw, draw some boundaries. Draw some boundaries. Create a distance from the stressor, right? My biggest way of doing that is unfollowing things on social media yes. that stress me out. If you look at something and you don't have a positive, yes. if it's a person, a brand, a whatever, and you get that feeling of like, I'm not enough or... I don't know, whatever, whatever. I get stressed out by people who post nothing but political stuff. Yeah. Like I, I unfollow them. I I don't, you know, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I love it. I do that actually. (laughs) I do it regularly, but I've done it as like an exercise, either through nourish with just kind of cleaning up some of the, the bad and infusing some of the good or as like a, um, I don't want to say like a, a new year's exercise. Yeah. I do that with emails too. If there's like, if I get stressed by, Oh, I'm missing that sale. I feel like I need to act on that. I just unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah. Don't unsubscribe to alkaline, but no, true. Else. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are some other yeah. self self soothing? What's the difference between you mentioned self self soothing and self care. So Self-soothing is something that you can do in the moment that takes your stress levels down in the moment that, that sparks joy. I'm stealing that term from, is it Marie Kondo? Yes. Something that will spark joy. So take away the stress and bring in the joy. Those are things that you can do in the moment to help yourself. Self-care is really setting the foundation so that your stress response is actually not as strong. So what can we do to set a good, a foundation of self-care. And there's similar things, but we know exercise. If you do exercise or strength training um, regularly, then your cortisol levels and your adrenaline actually are at a lower level more consistently. Um, also, you know what's interesting? Yeah. <laughs> Just an aside on the self-soothing thing. If you think about, you know, when our when our children are babies, and, mm-hmm. you know, many babies use a pacifier or they have a lovey or, or something that we, we intentionally give them yep. to help them self-soothe. And then at some point that becomes something that we t- either take away. I was guilty of that. Taken away, pulling the pacifier. We lost Wabbit on a trip. <laughs> couldn't replace Wabbit. And I was thinking, well, we need to wean her from this self-soothing item where in fact, maybe that's 
We don't need to. We don't need to, right? Like, I mean, I do have one friend that still sleeps with a teddy bear, but that's okay. That's okay. That What's wrong with that? And as, yeah. as we've said, maybe yeah. she sleeps better than the rest of us. But yeah. it's so yeah. funny how, again, some judgment comes in and we think just like self-care not being, you know, valued by our, by some of our peers, I would say many of us support that in each other, but, and also like having something in that moment that really. Yeah. And one thing I think we, that you're kind of getting to that maybe we, we shy away from is sort of what about the spiritual or the soulful part of us? So when your friend has her teddy bear, she's actually entering a state of like sort of peace and contentment. And I remember when I started my training to become a therapist, um, the teachers who who came from a non-religious background said, don't forget about spirituality. 60% of your clients will come to you with some sort of spiritual belief or spiritual foundation. And so I ask my clients, like, what is what does your spirit tell you? What is your if you were to be begin to meditate or to pray, does that bring you peace? And and most people will say yes. And how do you nurture that part how of your you life? Or even something as I don't want to say it's simple, but it's it seems simple to me because we've adopted it as a regular practice, is just a gratitude practice. Yeah. Like we we're not particularly religious. I mm-hmm. do consider myself to be spiritual, but it's actually my youngest, my five-year-old started what you're grateful for around the dinner table. And now we do highs, lows, grateful, and what we're looking forward to. So it's just like a way, it's one way we communicate. It's a way that, it, you know, facilitates conversation. We all get to talk about our day and you get to reflect on, like, it's just a little reminder. Yeah. of like, there's always something to be grateful for and I think that puts things in perspective it's so simple I used to keep a gratitude journal but this is even better for us as a family because we can all participate well it's so nice that you're modeling that for your kids so that that as they grow up they you know can tap into that gratitude Yeah. yeah I think the modeling it's an interesting thing because we like you were saying as kids we or when we have kids we you know encourage the you know the pacifier or whatever and then there's something about you know, the environment, our culture, where we, okay, they're two years old or five years old or whatever. We have to take, strip that away from them. Usually, usually in a very, mine was in a uh, traumatic way. Yeah. I had a pacifier till I remember. So I was probably five or six and my dad would chase me around with like, like the tongues you take the steak off the grill with. We called them patty snippers and he would pull it out of my (laughs) mouth. Um, yeah, but it's dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that you still remember that speaks volumes. Yeah. So. yeah. I remember a lot from my childhood and it was all traumatic now. <laughs> um, I remember the water pick with the bleach in it and lots of other things. But yeah, so it's, it's, I think something you mentioned at the very beginning, which is modeling is one way we learn. And so going back to like, parents who are particularly moms who are beating themselves up about not curating the perfect summer experience for their child or not being there at every pickup, drop off, school party, soccer game, whatever. What we're doing is not only not taking care of ourselves, but we're modeling that our children should also expect to put themselves on the back burner and live up to, you know, what we're modeling how to parent you know our, how our yeah. kids are gonna parent and so like I'll say to my kids a lot of times this happened in fact last night I went to the studio and I I went there for a different reason and I said I would really like to stay 
and take this class. I just feel like I really need to stay and take this class. I just need this, you know, makes mommy happy when mommy's happy, everybody's happy. <laughs> yeah. And it's good for mom's physical health yeah, and mental to be health. Happy. And yeah. they're like, yeah, cool. Yeah. You know, I don't feel, I don't feel any guilt related. Not, not just because it's like my job to work out, which is a great profession, <laughs> but because I feel like I, and if, if they came to me, you know, 30 years from now when they have kids and said, I'm really stressed out. I would give them the same advice that I'm giving myself right now. So, you know, they're learning from that too. So I think it's important. It's not just about what you're doing. I think sometimes you not only do yourself a disservice by not investing in self-care or practicing some of these things, but you're also doing your kids a disservice because you're not, (laughs) it's just going to continue. Right. Yeah. And you, I don't know, maybe people will be listening to this and going, well, that's going to be too big of a challenge, right? Like I'm pulled in every direction. I don't like to exercise. Um, uh, I want my kids to have as many life experiences they can have. And so sometimes we, we say we can't change or it's going to be too difficult to take time for myself. Well, all of that is programmed into our brain. And years ago, maybe 10 or 20 years ago, scientists and doctors believed that we couldn't change the brain, that we couldn't actually develop new neurons. And we know now we can. We can actually physically, our brain neurons are not eliminated, that they can actually continue to generate. And we can actually change the structure of our brain. One of the cool types of therapy I do um, is brain-based and um, based on eye movements. Um, So I don't know if people are familiar with the different cycles of sleep, but one of them is rapid eye movement sleep. And what that does in our brain is it allows our brain to repair and regenerate during the evening, when we sleep. Another amazing thing to do in terms of self-soothing or self-care is making sure we get sleep. But we know now, based on research, sleep research, and now this type of therapy, is that if we do rapid eye movements or have the brain bilateral stimulation of the brain, that we can actually see changes in our actual brain structure. Brain structure. So when I say, when I hear people saying like, you know, I can't do that, or that seems impossible, or um, that's not who I am. I sort of challenge them and say, no, you can actually change your brain, which then changes your body. So that's that like the ultimate to... growth, growth yes, mindset, right? I was right? just going to say, you know, we, we always talk about growth mindset. We are a growth mindset organization, and we, you know, encourage that in, you know, everything we do, whether that's a client coming in and saying, Oh, I can't do a push up on my toes or, or I can't even walk through the can't door. Touch my toes. I can't yeah. touch my <laughs> toes or, you know, you know, just, it comes up all the time in multiple levels. And it's, it's interesting. Like not only it's you, you physically can do, but you have to have that little bit of belief, a little bit of a growth mindset bit. to at least engage in your type yeah. of therapy. You have therapy to start somewhere. You have yeah. to start somewhere. Yeah. But that's really interesting. I'm surprised it's that um, recent. Well, research. E- the EMDR has been around for maybe 20 plus years and it it um, was developed to treat PTSD in, in war veterans and veterans that oh. came back from war and suffered from PTSD. Um, and so it started with eye movements and now we can use other things like little hand buzzers or audio 
um, back and forth, right, left, right, left, which it's interesting when I'm taking an alkaline class, you talk about balance and alignment, right? So anytime we do a movement, um, let's say, I'm trying to think of the different movements you guys do that maybe would be right and left. Like a lunge. Like a lunge, right? So your right side, your right leg is forward, your back is, your your left leg is back. So that's activating your right brain and your left brain. Um, and so it actually, it doesn't mimic the EMDR in quite that way, but it's certainly restorative at a cellular level, right? So the right- Add and re- that to your cueing rep. So many right benefits. Yes, exactly. We should. And alignment. Think about it. Like yeah. what actual physical alignment can do to your brain as well. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Um, you see patients that have a wide range, I would imagine, of um, mental health issues. How would you recommend that people understand the difference between the, the normal emotional highs and lows and mood changes versus something more serious that they should probably consult a therapist or a doctor for? Yeah, I always say if it doesn't go away, you should talk to someone about it, either your doctor or or maybe ask a friend who might know a therapist who is good. But if it's something that doesn't go away and that prohibits you from enjoying your life or being engaged in relationships or at work, um, that's something where you deserve to get a little help and support, right? I really, truly believe people should be able to enjoy life and experience pleasure. So if your anxiety is taking that over and you're not able to rest or go out with friends, if your depression is so bad that you don't want to leave your house that you'd rather stay in and then I would say, get some help. And, and again, it's just like self-care, I think. Uh, And I think this is getting better over time that it, that, there's less stigma about asking for help and seeing a therapist. But I think, you know, that, that can be a challenge for people to ask for help. Yeah. And that's why it takes like celebrities to say, oh, I had postpartum depression. Right. But even with that, I, I suffered from postpartum depression and I'm a therapist who specializes in it. And I didn't want to say it out loud. I didn't want to say, oh my God, this is what's happening. Because there's so much shame. Like, you don't want to be that person that yeah. doesn't feel connected to your baby. or um... And especially if it's such a shift. Um, you know, we spoke with another, we had another podcast guest, Leslie Abramson, who Lisa. spoke, or Lisa, Lisa, sorry. Yes, Lisa, who spoke about, you know, having postpartum depression. And she, up until having her baby, she had always been that light and bubbly person. Yeah, and yeah so she's that, great. I really like her. You yeah. know, having that shift, but thankfully she was also surrounded by really supportive people in her life that helped, you know, helped encourage her to get that help. So, and didn't create shame. Like it wasn't shameful. It was like, Oh, 20% of women experience postpartum depression. Like, okay, we know how to treat that. It's actually one of the most treatable forms of depression. Yeah. She said that that's one of those things. If you, if you get help, but she said that she planned to take it to her grave. Like she's like, nobody will ever know this happened. But I think the fact that we're now sharing, like everybody who shares their story, it, it normalizes something that 
feels like it's not normal, but it actually is it's much more. And it's normal. probably way underdiagnosed. So even saying 20%, 20% is yeah. like barely, you know, scratching the surface of what is actually. Well, 20% is the bad enough to get help. Yes. Mo- I would say 50% experience some like disturbing, you know, feeling really sad or super anxious, you know. It's obsessed. a huge shift. It's and huge I even, shift. I had, um, so, like I would say postpartum light. But I went to therapy. I'm such a prevention-based person that Tony and I, I said to him before we had the baby, I said, this is going to be a huge shift in our relationship, in our world. I knew like just the, um, even just the delivery itself, like I was like, I might be the person that punches you in the face. We don't like, you know, like I've had that feeling about myself. You hear of those stories. You know yourself. Yeah. So we went to therapy like we went to therapy before we got married we went to therapy like these it's big so transitions amazing. i did it too yeah. and it's you know i think it probably helped but it still didn't prevent because there is a hormonal chemical there's a response hormonal. there's so much that's going right. on and all of a sudden you're you know and anyway. add on lack of sleep you spoke about you know the importance of sleep and i think that's also something that women in general you know, we stay up late, get the kids to bed and stay up late and do all of the things that we need to do. Yeah. And so short change ourselves in terms of sleep, which has, I can speak personally when I'm tired. I do remember after having my third baby driving in the car, getting to a stoplight and literally turning around to make sure I had all three children. And I yes, thought yes. I am driving under the influence of being exhausted, yeah, exhausted. which has to mimic like drunk driving. Like oh, it totally how does. scary is that? But yeah. you add that, that lack of sleep component, which for me, it makes me feel out of control. Yeah. You know, I make, Anxious. I make bad food decisions. <laughs> like it just impacts so yeah. many. And then you spiral. Yeah. 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 And then you feel like I don't want, I'm too tired to work out. Although if my family's listening to this, they'll be like, mom, that is not the, the case. You know, you'll still work out, but you know, I have, it takes more effort to make yeah. myself do it. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and I'm glad you brought up, um, we, we never talk about our relationships, right? So let us be married or in a long-term relationship or dating. Like we're super hush hush. Like very rarely do we actually say, yeah, it's really difficult. Um, so I'm glad that you brought that up, that relationships deserve care. I, I, I meet moms all the time that um, haven't been away one night away from their child in years and I say, oh my God, like you need to take care of yourself. You need healthy separation. You need to experience and joy. And you also need to empower. I, I've given my girls this lesson because um, I was fortunate enough to have a husband that was very hands-on. But part of that was because I empowered him to do that. Like yeah. I let him. He didn't always do things the way I would have chosen. And when I would go away on girls' trips, they referred to him as good time daddy and they ate crap. They didn't sleep (laughs) like they normally would. And the the house wasn't always perfectly tidy when I got home, but he needed to have that opportunity too. And so I would, when my girls have their kids, I'm going to really encourage them get away, you know, be sure you take some time for yourself because I think that also helps you feel more connected to your partner when you get home. Like you, you respect and value the fact that they too can can take can hold down the fort and nothing terrible is going to happen. Yeah. And and to have time with your partner. We we often put our children before our relationships and I 
my husband and I joke, it's us against them. <laughs> We've yeah. said that before we even, have, it's us against them. And because, you know, our, we're, we're evolutionary program to make sure our kids are okay, not to make sure our relationships are okay, or even ourselves are okay. Right. But you've got to foster that relationship because soon you'll find yourself in my shoes where your kids are grown and gone. And thankfully I can look across the kitchen table and say, I still like this guy. (laughs) I I want to go on trips with him. He, you know, we still have a connection connection. where I, I, you've worked really hard for that. No, we have worked really hard and he's, he's a life coach and we've done lots of therapy, but I'm not ashamed to say that. And Mm -hmm. my girls would think, talk about modeling. Like we've demonstrated that to our girls and hopefully our oldest is getting married. Hopefully they, um, Thank you. They follow the same path. Yeah. You know, a lot of work. it is a lot of work. Don't be shy about getting help. That's right. How do you feel like with your practice, you mentioned you see a lot of, you know, you deal with like pregnancy, infertility, things that are sort of like women's health. Do you yeah. um, do a lot of like, do you do any couples therapy? Because that's a partner experience. And a lot of times I feel like, well, the woman is the one having, you know, the physical, she ex- might manifest it, but what yeah. about the guy who also feels like, you know, or the partner who's maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be a guy, the partner who is not physically, you know, trying to get pregnant or has lost a baby. Do you feel like, um, what would you, what advice would you give or do you see partners for, Yeah. So I don't affects everybody, even though they kind of take the back seat. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we actually don't give men and dads enough credit. Um, so going through, you know, a journey with fertility and this is very, uh, pronounced in the area that we live in the Bay area because we tend to have children a bit later. So you're just naturally inclined to have, it would just be more difficult but we um, we don't actually give men enough support and enough credit. We tend to just to look at the women and say, okay, well, you're you're physically distressed. You're the one that has to take the shots to get pregnant, or you're, you know, you you suffered physically from the miscarriage. But you know, the partners and let it be a female partner, or a male partner, they're seeing their most precious loved ones suffer and they're not actually able to do anything. They can't take the shot. They want to take the shot for the person, but they can't. They wish that they could have gone through the miscarriage, but they, they can't. It's very powerless. Um, It's a, yeah. And so I actually, if I have a mom come in and she's suffering from postpartum or depression or anxiety during treatments, I say, Hey, what do you think about bringing your partner in? Oh, well, I don't want to stress him or her out. And I say, let's bring them in. And so we incorporate that person in the recovery plan and the care plan. Um, I'm not an expert in couples counseling, so I don't do like true couples counseling, but I always bring in the partner in order to kind of um, help the individual that I'm working with. Yeah. And getting back to the self-care, besides age, do you feel like our level of stress contributes to some of the like infertility Stuff, or is it straight up? Well, we know we know high cortisol levels affect our immune system. We we're learning more about immunity and how that might affect fertility. 
But I would say, I would say because a lot of women and men blame themselves for having difficulty getting pregnant, there's, they automatically assume all of the responsibility. And in that, they think that they can, if something goes wrong, it's their fault. And so um, there isn't enough research saying that stress causes infertility. Because you and, hear of those stories of like people who yeah. go down the adoption path and they've sort of, or they, they take on something else. We've seen this even, we've had a couple of instructors suffer from um, infertility and decide to teach at Alkaline and then <laughs> and get then, pregnant. And then they get pregnant. Took, yeah. Yeah. It took their mind off of the, you know, goal. So I, I, that can be your cure for it. We're looking for insurance. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. Right. Yeah. Over. It's cheaper than IVF. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A lot cheaper than IVF. Right. And probably more fun. Yeah. So, but um, just like, oh, I adopted and then I got pregnant. Like it's. It does happen. Right. And, and I would just say lowering your stress is just good for your body. And, and does that help you get pregnant? Yeah, maybe. But there's no strong research saying that your stress levels are causing your infertility. But um, those stress levels can cause a myriad of other physical, yes, like severe course. physical, you know, can lead to disease. And yeah, we do know it's correlated to, um, you know, chronic depression, chronic anxiety, um, you know, high blood pressure. I mean, it does, no doubt. You want to lower your stress levels. I'm just very careful because we take on so much blame um, when it comes to fertility or miscarriage or pregnancy loss, when really a lot of these things we just don't have any control over. Like fertility is still very mysterious. Yeah. You know, when women, one in four women experience a miscarriage, right? That's insane. 25%. Um, yeah. And 95% yeah. of them, they can't say this is the reason. And so what do we do? We've got to learn to love ourselves. and. Right. We've got to learn to surround ourselves with care and nurturance and, and hopefully we can recover and, and move forward. And I think having conversations like this, hopefully will, um, remind people or encourage people to reach out to their friends for support yeah. and also allow us as friends to be there for yeah. others. If you notice a friend who's definitely experiencing some depression and they're not getting out, maybe reach out to them, mm -hmm. yeah. invite them to come take a class. And if you're going through something, don't try to mask it. I, I see yes. that a lot. And I can tell now, I mean, I work with people every day, the more someone tries to airbrush their life, a lot of times, to me, that's a signal that something's, more, going, something's on. going on. Um, but I think if you try to, the more you try to, um, know hide it or uh filter you know i don't know put the filter put of, your mask on yeah it reinforces the shame right yes. yeah right and we i i'll say too um not just to continue to preach alkaline but i think one of the things we do really well at alkaline is provide a safe space for people in fact i had a client who came to class yesterday who said um, she's leaving on vacation and she feels like she's gonna miss working out and miss the routine and the structure in the community. And yeah. she said, I'm telling you right now that I'm most likely going to cry during this class. And I said, and that's okay. Oh, and that's good. That's okay. Tears are actually yes, very healing. Tears are great, you know, yeah. but providing that support for people and letting them know that whatever, whatever they're coming in the door with, we're, we're going to be there to do our very best to support them and nurture them. And you, you have done a really good job at attracting, um, people that are loving and kind and caring 
And one thing I love about Alkaline is the instructors remember your name. Oh, good. You know, and that's really important. You know, we, we don't, as individuals get, you know, we, you get kind of lost during the day. And so, people need people. People need human connection, mm-hmm. right? And that's, there's no substitute for that. No substitute. There's no like piece of technology or yeah. app or whatever that can replace human connection. And yeah. I think the more, I mean, the reason why I started Alkaline in a brick and mortar, which is a little bit um, just funny or ironic given where we live in like tech, the tech world. It's like, why would you open, my brother-in-law asked me, why would you do a brick and mortar business? Company, and I yeah. said, human beings need human connection. And the more disconnected we are because of the technology, the more people need this. And that's why we started franchising. Not so I could just for my you know ego, open a million of these. It's because it really adds it value to the community, the communities that we serve. And the more you know communities we're in, the more people are are going to benefit. And I don't, I really don't think there's anything quite like what we do that, you know, combines the, you know, the, the intentional, authentic, safe, you know, the workout part with the community piece. Um, It's kind of. Well, and you create an enjoyable space to be in, right? So even though the, the area is small, everything and I'm not just, I don't get a, <laughs> I don't get a cut from this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not like, a paid advertising. This is not a paid advertising, but it's like, it's a pretty space, right? Like, and it's clean and, and the colors are soothing. All that sensory input provides people a little bit of respite from. And there's childcare that's there's right child there care. on you site. You so. work out without like. And it's affordable childcare. I, I don't want to, like anyone listening in a different state, it might not seem affordable, but for here, it's very affordable. You know, and you can bring your little one. And then they can actually see you model self-care. Positive self-care. Rosemary, how would our audience be able to contact you if they are listening to this podcast and they think, gosh, I could really use a therapist, someone to speak to? Yeah. So, um, to sp- my practice is totally full, but I am the best person at assessing and referring. And it doesn't mean right. my practice is full right now. It doesn't mean it will be full in a month. Um, but what I'm particularly good at is, uh, and this is totally free, is I will talk with everyone who calls me on the phone for at least 15 or 20 minutes, really get down to what you need, what you're looking for. And then I have an amazing network of therapists and doctors that I totally trust. So my website is counselingwithrosemary.com and my phone number is there and you'll just leave me a voicemail and I'll usually text you and we'll schedule a time to talk. Um, we can put even that if, contact information in our show notes. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Counseling with Rosemary, R-O-S-E-M-A-R-Y, but don't hesitate. Even if you just want to chat about something, um, we can do that and get you connected. So there's a lot of amazing therapists in this area that really, I mean, they're the therapist version of alkaline just really care. That's great. That's great to have that network because I think that's hard. Like, where do you start? Right. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes with, you know, finding the right sort of like dating. It's It's totally dating. Yeah. Right. You have (laughs) to find someone you connect with. Yeah. I feel the same way about my hair person, by the way, but um, you have, you have to have a trusting relationship and not everybody's a fit. So that'd be awesome if you could. Yeah. And I kind of am able to identify in a short period of time, um, who might be the right, the right person for you. 
and don't give up. Like if you meet with the therapist and it, the first meeting or two doesn't go well, don't give up. We have a, we have a practice in this field that will provide you with three referrals that we really believe in and trust. So you're not, you shouldn't be left kind of going, well, that didn't work. I'm so glad we had this conversation, especially as we're, you know, we're at sort of the start of summer and, and women who are probably listening to this are thinking, how am I going to balance the rest, the next two months before they, the kiddos go back to school. And I think this information has been really helpful and hopefully will empower people to take better care of themselves. It's not selfish guys. Self-care is important. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was, we'll see you at the studio. Thank you. Yes. I'll be there. Thank you for joining another episode of Alkaline Unplugged. As a reminder, please leave us a review on Apple iTunes or wherever you're listening. Comments, feedback, and requests or suggestions for future guests can be emailed to info at alkalinestudios.com. We look forward to hearing from you.